Welcome to the Create What You Speak podcast. Join me as we have a real life discussion on how to change your life by changing your thoughts. Remember, question everything, trust yourself, and find your truth. You're listening to the Create What You Speak podcast brought to you on webtalkradio.net. My name is Sloan Fremont, and I'm your host. Today, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite subjects, freedom of speech. My guest today is Pete Zaborski, the founder of a new social network called Retalk. Pete is a serial entrepreneur who previously founded a privacy advocate organization and now is the CEO of retalk.com, which, as I mentioned, is a new social network for people frustrated with the censorship of Silicon Valley big tech. And I think most of the listeners can relate to that today, Pete. So I want to welcome you to the show. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. And I'm I'm glad to glad to be here and yeah, we can talk about Silicon Valley and what's going on. <laughs> exactly. So maybe let's just start out a little bit by you um, telling us just a little bit about yourself and what led you to create Retalk. Yeah, so as you said, I'm, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I, I grew up in the UK, but I was born in, in Hungary back when it was still communist. And I think for me, really, it's, it's, uh, I've been watching closely what's happening in the English speaking world with the whole woke movement and, yeah. and all, the, all the censorship going on in the tech world. Uh, and to me, it's it's really worrying and almost almost terrifying. And at some point, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, I I thought I look, look I can actually do something about this, uh, yes. and and I can I can start a platform and try and counter what I, what I think is a very very worrying trend. Um, yeah. So so that's what I did, and <clears throat> we're we're about a year in. Uh, we've we've got about 100 or 200,000 signups. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I hope, I hope we can grow to, to much, much more than that. Yeah. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show today so that, um, you know, obviously get your message out. And I really like what you said about the reason why you started it is because you, you thought, what, what can I do with, with what's going on in the world? Right. Cause that's one of the questions I've asked myself, well, what can I do? What, what should I do? And that's one of the reasons I do the show and want to talk about things like this, because that's, that's what I feel like that I can do. So I really love that you, um, you asked yourself that question and you answered and you actually went through with it. Um, that's, that's amazing. Congratulations on that too. Yeah. Thank you. I, I I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, of Jordan Peterson, and I think what he what he says really well is that you you really have to look in your own life and your in your own domain and expertise to see what you can actually do. Um, yeah. Because you know, if your ambition is, if 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 I say, look, I'm going to build the next Facebook, I think that's that's a bit unrealistic. Um, although I might have a bit ambitions like that, but um, as he says, if it's cleaning your room, then do that. If it's starting a social network, it's that. If um, and and I think for me the maybe if we if, if we go into detail about why why retalk is the way that it is, but it's very similar to Reddit. And I made a very conscious decision to try and start a a social network similar to to the Reddit format um, because I think that's where I have a possibility to, to 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 make a difference and create a platform with my resources. Um, so it's it's really about I think on a personal level, thinking about what you can do. And for you, if that's a podcast, then that's what you do for me. If it's a, if it's a tech business, then, then that's what I'll do. Right. Because we're all contributing in our, in our ways. Right. And that's what it, that's what the world needs right now. It's more people contributing to solutions um, because we know there's enough out there um, that's contributing to the fear side. And so what I like um, and what I focus on as well is, is contributing to the solution side of things. Um, 
So let's get into the site a little bit more and tell us maybe for listeners who aren't familiar with Reddit and how that is. And I think most of us know Reddit is, is woke. And so um, they, they um, censor. And so that that's, you know, long lost cause. So maybe uh, tell the listeners a little bit about the format and how that works. Yeah. Um, I think the, the the fundamental uh, thing about Reddit or retalk is that it's organized around interests and, and communities um, so it's it's not around your friends and it's not VIPs who you follow, but you but you select communities around gardening or politics or motorcycles, whatever you like, uh, and you discuss those topics. So you can almost say it's it's more of a discussion board than it is a it is a social network. Um, and <clears throat> I think for me, what I really wanted to do is is build a grassroots community that isn't dependent on on <clears throat> sorry <clears throat> on uh, on VIPs and and uh and facebook is very strong on the on the friend front front so yeah. it's it i think it's impossible to to compete with facebook but i thought i i think uh creating this reddit type of format where you're talking about your interests and you're you're creating communities that are really ordinary people talking about their interests um i really like that format and i think it it's got a possibility to 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 get built without uh, too many resources and without those VIPs. Um, uh, so yeah, that, that, that's, that's why I chose the format. Um, so retalk is, is moderated just like, uh, just like Reddit and we build these communities and, and, uh, the, the community members become the moderators. Right. Um, but if you don't like the moderation that someone's doing, then you can build or you can start your own community and you can start with your own, uh, you can decide on your own rules. Um, and for me, that's, that's also, Another strong belief that I have that yeah. uh, I think the market will take th- this whole issue around Twitter and Facebook censorship. Um, many people are calling for government intervention or like new laws around what you can moderate and stopping right. censorship. And I think it's, it's that's because people want like a really, really urgent solution because they, they, they feel like they can't be honest on Twitter and they can't be honest on Facebook. Right. But I think if, if people are just a little bit patient, um, eventually if there's a market need, then, then that will be filled. And that's why I created Retalk because I think there is a market need for, for a new platform. Um, and I think it's much, much better if we, if we are a little bit patient and wait for the market to, to take care of this censorship problem. Um, and it's not easy because, uh, Facebook and Twitter are, are massive and they've got network effects, which means that your, your friends are on there. So it's very difficult to leave because yes. you don't want to leave your friends there. Yes. Um, but, but, uh, but still, I think if enough people start getting frustrated with Twitter and Facebook, uh, eventually some people will start leaving and then more people will start leaving. But um, I think it's super important to let the market take care of this and for, for new products and new social networks to, to develop. Um, yeah. And yeah. to take that, that place. I mean, I've been off most big, well, all big tech apps, I would say, I think I was, I'm still on Pinterest, but I really don't do anything with it. Um, I it's been over a year, probably a year and a half for me. And I had those exact same feelings, right? I'm leaving my friends behind. I'm, I'm leaving, leaving something. It was this feeling of leaving something that I didn't quite know if I wanted to leave, but yet I couldn't stay because I didn't have, I didn't agree with anything that was, that they were doing. I did not. And I would not, it was so important to me because I would not be a part of that. Like that was my, my decision that I was like, I, I will not be a part of this, even if it's not happening to me yet. I won't be a part of it. And 
what you're talking about with retalk is you're moving. And, and I think we get, we were, we were used to that method or we were used to that way with how Facebook was set up or how Twitter was set up because we sort of grew up with social media that way, right? We, when it first came out that, that oh, we had MySpace, of course, but then that went away after not very long. But um, if we think about Facebook and, and Twitter, we grew up with social media that way. And so we were almost maybe programmed isn't quite the word, but our expectation was that it had to be that way, right? That all social media would be that way. And that's not true. We're seeing that obviously with sites like Retalk and in what it sounds like you're saying with, with uh, the way your um, site is set up, it's more of a self-governed model. There's no, um, the community decides rather than a, a, a quote fact checker or AI deciding. Is that correct? Yeah, we, we have some fundamental rules where uh, we, we don't allow calls for violence or, right. or sort of actual actual racism where you're you're actually judging someone but not on their character but on some something else. Um because and, and again, just getting back to the market thing, there there are places which are completely free speech. So I, I don't know if you've heard of Gab, that's that's yes. a social network which says you know, we are absolutely free speech. You can say whatever you want. Yes. Um, that's that they're filling, filling a market need as well. Um, with retalk, I'm sort of saying I'm, I'm trying to, you know, have as many as, as you can have as much civil good discussion as you want, um, with rules that you decide. Um, there's a couple of fundamental rules that we don't allow. Um, but we're, we're pretty liberal with those as well. Uh, anyway. Um, so it's, yeah, I think it's, it's yeah, it's trying to get the community to to come up with their own rules and, and yeah. build their their own communities, um, and then yeah, taking it from there. Yeah, and I mean, I think over the past what how long has this been? A year and a half now that we really started. I don't even know. It seems like ten years, but I think it's only been about a year and a half that we've really started to see the censorship take place. And I, I can remember uh, when Trump got got censored on Twitter and you know, most of us had this feeling of outrage about that, right? The anger came out through everybody, the anger. We're all angry. Everybody's on various other um, alternative social media talking about it and it's wrong and it it shouldn't have happened. And, um, but it did, but what I, I felt like after the anger comes other emotions when you're censored, right. Or when you see other people get censored, because then it's like, it's these feelings of, never thinking your voice would be shut down. Or then if your voice does get shut down, um, how to internalize that and how to deal with that. And I think that, um, I think this impacts people on a really personal level that doesn't often get talked about. Have you seen maybe people who are censored come to retalk and and talk about that? Or what have you seen in that space of the personal um, impact censorship has on people? Yeah, there's, what I've seen on retalk is there's there's definitely a lot of people who are who are who are very frustrated and then they're they're quite glad that there's somewhere where they can come and, and discuss issues and and often as you've probably seen that the censorship is so crazy now that there's there's so many topics that you can't talk about which I think are completely normal topics that you you should be able to discuss and you just can't talk about them um, and on on maybe a deeper level something I've I've noticed around privacy as well. Um, there, there was a, I think in the 1930s, there was a study done about um, they, in a factory, they were monitoring workers and they were seeing if they, I think if they were more productive, if the factory lights were lighter or darker. Okay. And it turned out that the, the workers were more productive on both cases. 
And it turned out that was because they they were being observed and they I guess they had no privacy. Um, so yeah. the, when you're being when you're being watched, it it, it changes your behavior. And yes. I think I think censorship is really really similar. And when when you're not when you don't have privacy or when you're scared of censorship, it's to me it's almost like you've got this overbearing um, entity, like a big government, a big corporation watching over you, and you have to control yourself. And you could even think of it as like you're a parent or something. So you, yeah. you, you have to, there's this self-control element of it. And that's what I, with my background of being from Eastern Europe, it's also something I've seen that you, you get this extreme self-control in people, yeah. um, which, which it, it stifles creativity. I think that's the most yes. obvious effect yes. that, and, and you can see this in, in China and other authoritarian places. There's no creativity, there's no freedom, there's no experimentation, um, so I think that on a, on a really deep level, that's what you're losing when you when you yeah. start to censor people and when you take away privacy, because you, you take away that experimentation and that that uh, willingness to try new things. Um, so I think for me, that's that's like a big psychological impact of what yeah. um, authoritarian systems do. And it's it's like I, I I'm an absolute rebel in that in that way I really don't want people to control me and exactly um, no and, I agree I'm yeah. I, I 100% agree with that and I think you know that that's what you're talking about with that that psychological control that's inflicted that again is is not the first emotion that often comes that I noticed was anger and then after that there's there's various stages that as you you know as, as we process what's happened and I think that um having that filter or feeling the need to have the filter keeps in what, cause this is what I noticed in 2020, as I saw people doing things such as wearing a mask or ended up getting a, a shot that they maybe didn't want to get is when you continuously almost like break your own spirit by doing things that you disagree with, right. Continuing to do things because you think it's going to get better, or you think it's going to end if I only do these things, or if it comes to a certain date, when you continuously break your own spirit by doing things that you don't agree with day in and day out, there is epic levels of not only what you're facing around you, what we saw, but this internal pain that happens as a result of that, right? Because we are not living our true selves. And the same thing, what you're talking about with having that, that over that, that watchful eyes on everything that we post on social media, having that, um, that requirement to feel like you have to be filtered. I've, it, it doesn't, it, it, it's for, it goes further, I think, than, than just being on a social media site, because then you take that in your, in the rest of your life, right? Even if you're just interacting with somebody, you're just having a conversation with a friend or a family member or something, that feeling of that need of, do I have to be careful or I have to filter what I say? Um, I think extends out into all areas of, of people's lives. And I, I just don't feel like that's being talked about very much. Yeah. I, I think you, you make a very good point. And it's something that if you, if you talk to people who have lived in authoritarian um, systems that they, they always speak about how you you're you, every day you're kind of killing a little bit of yourself because yes. you're you're yes. you're not being truthful and you yes. and you're suppressing yourself and then you turn people into this these sort of non non-playable characters I guess um, yeah uh, you because you you have to suppress yourself and in the end you you forget who you are yes um and and that's why you see the the stereotypical person in an authoritarian system who's just that they that they're a shell of themselves really um yep. and it's it's really terrible yeah like what you hear so far 
Take what you've learned and invest in yourself with the Create What You Speak Academy. Visit createwhatyouspeak.com to learn more. Now back to the show. Yeah, and you could see it. I saw it a lot in people as uh, even, I still see it now, the blank stare in the eyes, the blank mm. vacant stare of who, <laughs> what am I doing and why am I here? It, that's kind of the, the um, what, I, what I would notice in people. Um, and, and, you know, another part that I've noticed with censorship is I don't know why people think that they're going to get everybody to be in hundred percent agreement on every single topic, but that that's the goal. It seems with, with censoring people, um, which is not realistic, which is not the type of world that any of us, I don't think, even those promoting it, I don't even know if they believe it sometimes, but, um, thinking that you're going to get everybody, the whole world to believe the exact same thing is, is not realistic, nor should we want it to be. Um, for obvious reasons, right? We would be living boring, sterile lives, no creativity as you touched on. So how has that been for you with, in the creation of Retalk and, and what have you seen in the community with people being able to civilly disagree on things as, and, and have conversation and talk, even if, and you don't have to agree on everything, but um, how have you seen that on Retalk? I think it's really hard, especially on on the on the existing platforms like like Facebook and Twitter, because they're they're, they're not built to reward um, in depth, well thought out discussion. They're they're built right. to the you know it's it's all short form, it's hostile, it's it's built on outrage, and and out, yes. outrage is what sells. And um, I think for me, social media has two really big problems. One of them is is censorship. The other one is is this that that discussions aren't built on on being quality. Um, and yeah. retalk with retalk, I'm trying to build something which, which is trying to build a solution for both of those problems. So it's, it's a small difference, but I think with retalk, if you have a look at the format, it, it does encourage um, more well thought out and longer debate. And yeah. it's, it's also more, um, so it's not, it, it's not instantaneous like Facebook and Twitter where you see something and then 10 minutes later it's gone on retalk. You can actually go back and, and read uh, things in detail and think about them, come back and comment on them. Um, yeah. it's, it's just the, the way the format is built. Um, and what I really hope is that uh, that type of format is something that people will, um, once this big wave of the first wave of social media has, has, um, dissipated as you said it's, it's what we've grown up with is the way facebook and twitter are yeah. and once people realize that that's not that good for their mental health and it's it's i sometimes make this comparison it's a bit like cigarettes that you you know yeah. they're bad for you but it's super but addictive going so with you, them. yeah 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 and, and but but in the end cigarettes like less and less people are smoking and yeah. and um i i hope that that's going to happen with social media as well and people will realize that Yes, this short form conversation of Twitter is very addictive, but it's not good for me. And I want in-depth yeah. discu discussion as well. Yeah. Um, and that's what I'm trying to do with, with retalk. And yes, I think there, there will always be, um, these, uh, these bubbles of people with, with very similar views because we do interact mostly with people who agree with us. Um, but I think if we, if we just, if there's less outrage and less, um, quick fire discussion like there is on social media now, I think it, it can improve. 
Yeah. And I think a lot of that goes back to what you were just saying about having more thoughtful responses, right? When we're just, it seemed like on Facebook, for example, when I was on there, it was just fly off the handle responses. And people would say things on there that they would never say to somebody in real life, right? I had family members experience this. And I'm like, you would never say that. And then they go around each other in real life and act like they never wrote that. And I'm like, what are you like in this reality? Like, I don't understand why, how can you do that? How do you behave that way? And one of the questions I always when I was winding down, I'm like, I'm going to delete Facebook. I'm going to delete um, all big tech. I, I kept asking myself, what value is this bringing me? And every day the answer was none. Absolutely none. There is no value here for me. And the day when I deleted all of them, and it's a process, right? To delete and actually go through that. And when I did that, um, I don't know, a week later or something, one of my friends said, well, don't you miss it? And I said, actually, I don't know. There's nothing about any of those big tech sites that I missed. There was nothing good for me, but yet I kept hanging on. And so I think, um, being able to be thoughtful in responses, like you're saying, retalk encourages being in, cause you even have a blogging option on there too, correct. Yeah. Where people, yeah. right. Can, can, um, you know, write, write their thoughts that, that kind of because we have a choice in all this, right? We can, for those that want to have the fly off the handle and the angry type responses, they, they can stay there. But I think more and more people are looking for options, like you're saying, to be able to have more thoughtful interactions that are more meaningful where someone um, isn't just out there to, and, and, you know, with the bots that would come on, you know, and that's a whole other thing, but being able to have more thoughtful interaction, I think is something people definitely are um, wanting is from what, you know, from what I've seen. Yeah. Yeah. Although I think that there is maybe a worrying trend that, uh, especially from this, this authoritarian woke movement that the the very, I guess, because it's so almost like a religion, it's very dogmatic and you you have to believe in the same things and you can't question it. Um, Whereas I think actually the majority of people are fairly accepting of, of other views, but but I think the loudest people um, do, are, are very loud right now who, who do seem to say that everyone has to agree with me. And unfortunately, they are very loud. <laughs> yes, they are. And they're the ones that scream and yell. And I think um, they seem like to me the part of the population that, and some admit it, some won't, but I think some are comfortable with censorship. I think they, they like it. They want it. They, they don't see anything wrong with it while they're the ones where their opinions are being screamed about, right. They're fine with it. But we, we see all the time, the, the double standard of then, you know, the opposite happens and then they're screaming, you know, the other way. So it, it, those who scream the loudest are always the ones that, that, you know, you want to stay away from, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, And I think it's, um, yeah. I think with the, with the censorship, um, the, the, I've been amazed at how the people who who have been saying, even when the censorship started, and it was still almost everyone agreed that the, that some people should be censored, and you know if you're a racist or a white supremacist, like an actual one, then you should be censored, and and that then it was um, anti-vaccine people, and then it was um, now it's the truckers in Canada, yeah, um, yeah, and and it the, the people like. Glenn Greenwald and the people at the ACLU in, in the 1970s who were saying, once you, once you give people the power to censor, it will only get worse, um, yeah. seem to have gotten it absolutely correct. And I'm, I'm surprised at how quickly it's, it's deteriorated. Um, yeah. It, it's, yeah, and it really does seem to be getting worse and worse. But I think 
in that way, more and more people will start to realize how damaging this is because yeah. it's moving into more and more areas and you can't discuss more and more things. And I think more and more people will start to get um, very worried about the direction censorship is going. Yeah, it, it's very uncomfortable. I mean, it pushes you to what, I mean, I, I just, in my own remembering back of how the last two years of internally, how all of this felt, I mean, it's so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable, but if it's, if it's, it, we can't deny it, it's been, we're long past that stage. And I think most of the listeners are, are way past that too, but um, having alternative sites such as Retalk to be able to go to and actually have thoughtful interaction, I think also changes then it changes our experience online, but again, it also changes our experience offline. Just like with the um, what we were saying earlier about the impact it has, in, you know, internally when you censor yourself online, that carries out into your everyday life. And in the same goes the opposite way. When we have these thoughtful conversations, we have these thoughtful interactions, then it changes how we go out into the world. I think, and so I think um, being able to have that is is amazing. And um, just another, I just have a couple questions before we, we wrap up today. So um, one thing I was curious about is what's it like to be a CEO of a free speech platform? For me, it's really interesting because I have to ask almost, um, there's almost these moral or philosophical questions that I have to be thinking about sometimes. And, and it's really interesting um, what, um, yeah, when, when you get these really, really uh, like borderline cases where you're like, yeah. you, you're not really sure if this is okay or if it's not. And then you have to think really hard about, um, about what you're going to do and what the, what the correct response is. But I think what I've, tr- what I've started to find is that whenever there's a, there's a question about a certain post or a certain community, you, as long as your fundamental rules are quite strong and, and well thought out, yeah. Um, you can always rely on going back to, okay, is this actually calling for violence or, or, or borderline on violence? Is this actually judging someone on on their mem- on on their membership of a of a group or or a certain characteristic? Oh, no, not on a characteristic or not on their personality, but on something else. Yeah. Um. And and then you have to go back to those fundamental values. Think about those really hard and. And then make a choice based on that. Yeah. Um, but another thing that's that's interesting that's happened, I think, on Twitter is that when you when you start to then make all sorts of crazy rules, which are which are then which then start to be too much and too specific, then you get into the problem of um, you can't make a rule for every single right. um, case. So right. so I think it's it's more about like your values not rules because if your if your values are correct then um then you can make the right choice because they match up with your values and then you don't have to write down every single rule but if you start writing down a million rules then it starts to become really difficult because something's going to slip through the cracks and then that person's going to complain about look i didn't break the rules but then you know that it's actually wrong what what they've written so um so i think it's all about values really yeah, I love that. And I love, it's like, it's really what coming back to where you started, right? The purpose, the intent, why, why you're doing what you're doing. And when you're really clear on that, then it, it, I, it's, it, it would be easy. I would think because you're, you know, those, those values are, are, are set in stone almost. They're the, they're the foundation for what you created. Yeah. And for me, I think that's, that's, if you want to say that's a very classical liberal values. If you're, you know, everyone should just be free as long as you're not harming anyone else. 
and yeah. and those people who believe in those values are who I I'd like to attract to to retalk. Yeah. Um, because that those that that I think is the fundamental building block of like the the Western world, and it's it's one of the greatest inventions of humanity. I think that that legally, but also in terms of values, is just let everyone live as long as you're not harming anyone else. It's it's I think it's the best way to live for for the individual. I agree, hundred percent. That's that's the philosophy I take as well. And um, my guest this week has been Pete Zaborski, founder of the free speech site Retalk.com. Pete, as we wrap up today, what's one thing you want to make sure the listeners know about freedom of speech and your site Retalk.com? I think it's just if you're if you're on the fence, then then take action because there's a lot of people on Twitter who are who complain about censorship, but yeah. they're still on Twitter. Right, they're still there. It's um, like, why are you still yeah. there? Leave. You can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so if, if you're on the fence and you want to try something new then just just please try it um yeah. i think we've got a really good flat platform with a really good community and the, the only way the censorship is going to get better if, is if people try out new platforms so i just encourage anyone who's even a little bit interested to try it yeah so why don't you tell the listeners how they can find out more about you and the site yeah, there's two ways really either on your app store search for retalk um, or just visit retalk.com that's the website and you can sign up there uh, all you need is your email address and, and you can sign up so join the conversation awesome and i love your instagram handle um uh non-woke uh, retalk non-woke network <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i'm surprised they even let you do that when i saw that i laughed out loud i was like oh that's awesome yeah. i love that <laughs> it's <Yeah>. amazing <laughs> well thanks again pete for joining us it's been a great conversation Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Create What You Speak podcast brought to you by webtalkradio.net. You can also hear the podcast on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, and your favorite podcasting platform. I'm Sloan Fremont, and I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the Create What You Speak podcast, where we will continue to free our minds, expand our consciousness, and untangle those thoughts that keep us stuck. Check out my website, sloanfremont.com, to learn more.